0: How did we do our intros again? Okay, so uh, this is Edicts on Edicts, a podcast uh, po-
1: about... <laughs> 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 no. Okay, do it. You, do, you just but, do all of it and I'll do them.
0: This is Edicts on Edicts, a podcast about Emily Dickinson.
1: The original social distancer.
0: My name is Ben. And, and I'm Kyle. Yes, and he is Kyle. And we are two friends who love to talk about Emily Dickinson. Yeah, and and specifically...
1: The Apple TV Plus show, which is now entering its second season.
0: I know, and uh, it's crazy because if you're just joining us here, I would say go back and listen to our season one episodes. You would? But just be aware that they are all over the place.
1: I would say... (laughs) We were, I listened to one recently and I was like, man, we were really mean.
0: <laughs> yeah, we were, we were so cruel about the show. But we're, now that we're entering season two, yes. I think we can say that it is worth a watch, isn't it? Because we keep coming back, oh, don't we?
1: And now we're entering it with fresh eyes, as it were.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think yeah. so. Um, I think that we have a renewed sense of hope for this show.
1: Also, <laughs> Elena Smith herself is aware of this podcast now.
0: That's crazy to so, me. And Elena, you if you are listening, I apologize for every bad thing that I have said about your show, because <laughs> I take it back. I take it back. Um, but also, um, I hope that we've been constructively critical.
1: Um, right. I hope in- we weren't just needlessly cruel, um, and that some of the things we said were actually like legitimate criticisms.
0: But, you know, at the same time, like, life is cruel. And running a TV show is hard. Yeah, I mean, I think at the very least, uh, even from the very beginning of doing this, we've always been aware of mm. just the incredible amount of work and effort that goes into making these Dude, shows happen. So. I think one of the nice things about Dickinson as a show is the attention to details has, has always been there. Um, That's true. Within the budgetary like- confinements that they're so- operating within.
1: The costumes, set design, like, everything has always been, like...
0: Yeah, and music good. as well. Um, that's true. So, like, it's, it's, always, it's, an, it's always an impressive production.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: the team that's working on it must be working very hard uh, and working well, I would hope.
1: The um, hell of a mea culpa to me. <laughs> Elena Smith, we're so sorry. Please don't um, blacklist us from Hollywood.
0: Or from Apple Podcasts. Um, <laughs> yeah that's the more pressing worry because um, didn't we only just get onto apple podcast we
1: just we did it we got on so we are on all big podcast platforms now that's crazy uh, to me i'm in shock
0: um and also for people who are joining us now uh we're quite an unusual podcast i would say because um mm. kyle where are you recording from
1: if you i know? am sitting in my Tiny apartment in Tokyo in the early morning.
0: Yeah, and I and, am in. And where are you? I'm in my massive great house in England in the, in the late <laughs> hours of the night. So we we are recording from two different sides of the earth. Um, God, we
1: must really like this show.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> our suggestion to you, first time listeners, is go and watch the show,
1: and then um, skip immediately to this episode. <laughs>
0: Or the one we talk
1: about a quiet passion.
0: Yeah, start when we talk about a quiet passion. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the way this episode is going to work, I think, is we're going to talk a little bit about the episode and we're going to talk about what happened, um, what we liked, what we maybe disliked, potentially, mm-hmm. if, there are, mm-hmm. if there is anything to discuss. And I love that there's a, there's a poem in this episode as well. Um, yes, so maybe we maybe Carly, you could do us the honor of yeah. reading that poem later. talk about that one. Sure, and we can talk about the poem a bit, but yeah, so why don't we get stuck in? And Carly, yes. could you tell us the title so, of the episode? Yeah
1: We are now discussing episode one of the second season of Dickinson called "Before I Got My Eye Put Out." It's directed by Christopher Storer and written by Elena Smith, the showrunner of Dickinson.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And what happens in the episode? All right. You know, lay it down, spoilers and everything.
1: I will attempt to not meander with my summary of this one. Emily, who has been dedicating herself quite fervently to writing her poems, uh, is starting to have eye troubles. And so she goes to a doctor to have those looked at. At the same time, we have a new uh, border in the dickinson household Mm, who is maybe involved with lavinia and then we learn that sue and austin have become the toast of new england with their salons hosting constant parties and yeah becoming i believe i believe lavinia calls her an influencer (laughs) yes she does to link it to yeah to where we are today and uh yeah so just as a brief, I don't know, Marie? warning. I warning. have watched everything that has been released so far of the second season of Dickinson and will be biting my tongue to not reveal yes. too much.
0: No spoilers, because I am watching them yes, one at a time. As
1: we record.
0: Yes, as we record. So um, mm. I don't want to know too much of what's coming up ahead. I, like, I exactly. want to kind of see it with a fresh pair of eyes every time. yeah. Um, <laughs> As it were. <laughs> as it were, yeah. Yeah, so that's a really good summary of the episode. Um, and also, we'll discuss it later, but I think the poem, as you said, is mm-hmm. before I got my eye put out. Um, yes. Which I found in my Folio Society edition. Oh, them- I know, I splashed out. I um, was about to say, you have a nice poetry. one. Yeah, it's, oh, it's gorgeous. It's got this like rice paper cover with like. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's got that poem on it, um, There is No Frigate Like a Book, on the front cover. <laughs> so it's great.
1: I really feel like I've gone completely crazy because anytime I interact with a human being nowadays, I'll be like, oh, there's an Emily Dickinson poem about that. <laughs> Some...
0: <laughs> she nice. was prolific. She definitely was. She was prolific. in that room. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's kind of the thing about the episode, isn't it? Because she. She gets her eyes checked. Emily gets her eyes checked because she's having trouble with her vision. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's some suggestion that this is because of all the candlelit nights writing poetry, isn't it?
2: Right. Right. Um,
0: And I really, me, I really, going into this episode, I really got the impression that we had moved into a different stage of Emily's life. Mm -hmm. Um, Because in season one, it very much felt like she was like a young adult. Yes. Um, And it's like the, rough teenage years kind of thing right Mm -hmm. um but with this like i think Hayley steinfeld who plays emily did a really good job of kind of slowing down a bit and portraying a more reflective emily who is in like one of her more creative periods of life Mm. um and she is just prolifically writing poetry you see that basket that she's like writing all of them to say And she, like, drops them into the basket one after the other.
1: I Uh. wanted to talk about this opening montage because I think this opening montage is so good. So the opening montage is basically, it starts with a slideshow similar to how season one started. Mm. But it says, like, basically the life of Emily Dickinson up until Sue and Austin's marriage, which is the season one finale, Is Mm. pretty well documented. Yeah. And now we're getting into uncharted territory. In Emily's life. Which we only have. Snippets of her letters that she sent to other people. And her poems. And they say maybe the truth. Lies within her poems. Mm. And then we get this montage. Of newspapers. Being printed. Like en masse. And being delivered throughout Amherst juxtaposed with like emily locked away in her room writing her poems so mm-hmm. there is this immediate contrast between like mass production of media and like emily alone writing
0: and and she's and her the fact that she's producing so many poems at such a rate yes and the way that the newspapers come out so rapidly yep. and they're produced that you're right like it's very they mirror one another
2: Yeah, Um,
0: But one is like a very open public thing and the other is a very Mm -hmm. quiet private thing. And Emily even, we even have the reference to the fact that she's storing all these poems in the trunk at the end of her bed and she's like covering them up with sheets (laughs) so that no one's going to know. Maggie has like
1: a line about like, we're going to have to find another place to put your nineties. And I am sorry for my Irish accent. I
0: thought that was a pretty good. That was an For approximation. Of, yeah, that was a pretty good approximation <laughs> of Maggie right there. Um, I don't think I could have done better. So, <laughs> um, But the other um, thing I like is that we know historically as well that probably during this period of life is when Emily... Because we know that Emily did do most of her writing at night by candlelight. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Like she, she asked permission from her father, didn't she, to do yes. her writing then.
1: Either so, early in yeah. the morning or late at night before the sun is up. And it's interesting to go back very briefly to the montage. Mm. Like, because I think it's doing so much work where we see, like, each character gets the newspaper and has a different thing that they want to see in it. Yes. Like, Lavinia gets it and immediately turns to the matrimony pages. Mrs. Dickinson opens and looks for, like, ads for, like, crystal or something, like, dishware. Yeah. Like, everybody has something else that the newspaper means to them.
0: I was going to say, it's interesting that Emily is the only person that doesn't read the newspaper. Um, Yes, it is. Um, She's not interested (laughs) in what's happening
1: mm in the outside
0: world. Um,
1: And I think that that is important for who the, like, the OG Emily was. Because I think, as we've discussed, like, she did have to have a certain naivete and a certain shelteredness. And I think, that is reflected in her not engaging with the newspaper.
0: Mm. Yes, yeah. Not, not that we. I mean, we don't know whether Emily was very aware mm. politically or socially aware of her. We know that some things, because she got caught up in that very fervent religious movement that was going on in that right.
1: It's the second, really, the second great awakening.
0: Yeah, and she mm-hmm. also was aware of issues around the Civil War. Clearly, yes. Um, but it, there is also a kind of sense that she was kind of isolated from the world. And I think this, as you say, the montage, like, really shows, uh, it gives you a good sense of all the characters in quite a mm-hmm. short space of time.
1: Oh, yeah. And also <laughs> sets up what, I, I, I will be restrained, but sets up, like, the big theme of the season.
0: Right. Interesting. Yes. Yes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then, also, like, after that, we got a nice moment on the train, I felt between, Emily between and her between her father, her father. Mm. yeah, um, which was really because, like, I feel like a lot of the end of the last season was was driven in part by the conflict she had with her father. Yes, um, but in this episode, it seems to me that he has very much accepted her choice mm. of lifestyle almost. Um, I feel
1: like that that ending scene of season one where she sit, like sits in her or stands in her doorway rather and tells him like there's nothing you can do to stop me and mm. he stands back and is just like you're right and she shuts the door and sets about writing and he just sort of has to deal with it um, but
0: i said this last last season when we were discussing it how to our knowledge she always had a, a good relationship with her father and it was her mother that she really struggled, struggled with. with.
1: Yeah. Yes, and yeah. I
0: think that maybe. I mean, I would be interested to see that come more to the forefront in this season
1: mm. um, for mm-hmm. Mrs.
0: Dickinson to be more of a uh, more of a okay. person she has conflict with, I guess. Because mm-hmm. um, I think that yeah, like the conflict with her father was interesting. Um, mm-hmm. but-
1: I found it frustrating at points last season
0: um yeah i think it could get it could have got yeah. a bit frustrating but yeah and then also the father mentions like financial difficulties because you because i think there was like a juxtaposition as well because the mm-hmm. father's saying oh you know everything is costing so much lately and mrs dickinson's saying like oh your father's being so frugal etc cetera, etc cetera. and then yes. it's like the opulence and wealth that sue and austin are living in
1: are demonstrating yes Mm-hmm.
0: because like her dress sue's dress being her? like. Dress. At the end. I know. I was like, that is a beautiful dress. <laughs> that is a very, like, gold and black kind of suits her. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> so, so I was like, oh. Um, and Austin is looking as delicious as ever. Um,
1: <laughs> so I will say, like, costume wise, I really loved what they've done where you have, like, Sue in this. At her at her salon, in this incredibly opulent, um, golden dress, and then you have Emily showing up in this like very simple, like, cotton and blue, like, or, like white and blue cotton dress. Mm, mm. And like, without saying too much, I think Emily's wardrobe this season like brings her closer to that, because eventually, like, she becomes the woman in white like, wandering mm. around Amherst, and, like, we see her get closer and closer to that.
0: Although she did and start thought, the hey. season that, start season one that way as well. Like, in the first episode, she's mm. wearing all white, I think. I think so. Yeah, like, you're right, like, there was a very much a, a, again, a juxtaposition between Emily and Sue.
1: <laughs> Me in, trying like, to not, I don't know, keep, just sit here heaping praise on, like, the set design, like, the the crew of Dickinson, because Sue and Austin's house. Well, well
0: the, the, yeah, Sue incredible. and Austin's house is just beautiful. And I hope, I wish to God that it was a real house. I mean, I don't know whether it's still being filmed on a set. Um, oh, they
1: definitely are aired. on a set. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I wish to God that was a real house because, oh, the wallpaper alone, I was like, I just want the wallpaper. <laughs> like, I was just looking <laughs> well, at the I wallpaper wonder... like, that's so nice. <laughs> like, we know
1: the Dickinson house, like Emily's house is still standing and is... The museum and I wonder if you know Sue and Austin's is also there.
0: That would be interesting. I would uh, yeah I wonder about yeah. that too. Um
1: once the pandemic ends we have to go on our road trip to Amherst.
0: Oh my god we should,
1: <laughs> we should. <laughs> just just show them like a picture of the podcast title and be like we made this let us into your museum.
0: But while I remember um Elena Smith like please could you email us and tell us where you got the wallpaper from
1: <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> she might not know, but like, put us in touch with the set design, like, yeah, like art
0: Whoever will know, I want to talk <laughs> yeah. to. Um, but yeah, yeah, like it also in this one. So when we watched Wild Nights with Emily, mm. um, they had the houses being like next door to each other. Yes. But in in Dickinson, they've got them being on either side of the road from one another. Right. And, and Emily
1: probably, Emily has yeah. a line too about how like sometimes that yard feels like it's a hundred miles long. Mm. Which I,
0: which is interesting, isn't it? It's like the distance between her and Sue.
1: Oh, yes.
0: And the kind of the gap between them. But yeah. while we're talking about like set design and things, mm-hmm. the other thing I really felt with this episode is that the direction was oh, much yeah. improved as well. Because when I was watching season one, I often felt like I couldn't see the things mm. I needed to see. Mm hmm. Um, like there would be times when I would want to see more of a character's face, or yes, more of the environment, or yeah. I felt like a uh, a scene wasn't framed very well. Yes, um, but this time, all the way through the episode, I felt like every scene was framed really nicely. The camera mm-hmm. was always at a good, in always in a good position mm-hmm. to to capture what needed to be captured it was very smooth there wasn't a lot of like it it wasn't odd it was just like right it's almost like someone went back to fundamentals Mm -hmm. and was like let's just do this clean and simple
1: there is like a simplicity. simplicity makes it sound you know
0: easy which is not
1: yeah which it's not but it is like there is a simplicity and a clean like a cleanness to the way it's framed this season and the way that it's executed. And I really enjoy it in a way that I was often frustrated with parts of season one. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I also maybe found an hour long interview with the cinematographer of Dickinson that I'm slowly working my way through.
0: Oh, really? I would watch that because I do find (laughs) it really interesting how they've done it this time. Um, It's
1: funny to me because he he talks about like, they looked through different cameras and different lenses and like all these things. And like, they're actually shooting the show on a camera that I've never worked with. Right. Um, I've worked with a bunch of cameras for my job professionally, but like they're using a Panavision camera, which I, a Panavision digital camera, which I've never worked with before. Mm. And so it's really interesting to hear him discuss like things like color and things like, particularly like skin tones yes. um because i think it looks different than like i'm used to shooting on um alexas which have a very distinct sort of like they usually describe it as like milk tea for skin tones and like this has something different going on Mm. and it is really interesting to see it because he's right um and once i finish yeah go ahead
0: I was just going to say, like, I really felt like everything had like a soft glow to it.
2: Mm,
1: yeah.
0: Um, and I liked it. Um, it was all kind of like, it was not at all muted, um, but it was warm to look Mm-mm. at. Uh, I don't Mm-mm. know whether that's all the episodes, but episode one, definitely, I felt like, oh, this is kind of like, and this kind of fed into the feeling of like a more reserved, mature Emily. Yes. Um, Who's taking it a bit slower is more mm-hmm. reflective. Um, it really gave that on beyond. Yeah.
1: Um, I think, yeah. If if you know, season one was chaotic to reflect you know the wild teenage years, and like season two is heading into something very different um, in terms of Emily and in terms of the tone of the show itself. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I also thought like a lot of the older the characters, the characters have all moved forwards, right? So like, Sue and Austin have been married for a while now. Um, Mm -hmm. Sue refers to a miscarriage. I think that she's had
1: her and 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 only Emily is aware of this. Yeah, the fact that she lost the child that she was pregnant with last season.
0: Hmm. And I think it's um th- it's interesting how Sue's character because like Emily's character has developed, mm-hmm. but Sue's character also has developed. She's like blossomed into this, as you say, like influencer, socialite, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. who has all these incredibly popular parties that people yes. are going to. Um, she's fashionable, she's beautiful.
2: Um, mm-hmm.
0: she's erudite. Yes. Um, and it, she's in kind of direct contrast to. Emily, and it's it's kind of like I said last season about how Emily's genius is the genius that survives history. So we kind of see it now. Um, But like last time, I was saying, like how Lavinia had her own creative gifts. But now we're Mm -hmm. kind of seeing the genius of Sue, which is that she's someone who's been through all these like really tragic things. Mm -hmm. Um, But now she's kind of taken that and transformed herself. Mm. into this like society woman
1: (laughs) literally Um, cloaking herself in gold
0: yeah literally like it's it's really fascinating because i can imagine that that's so speaks so true to me of like people's psychology um Mm -hmm. and i can totally understand why sue would feel like oh i'm in this position now where i have wealth and privilege Mm -hmm. and i want to be the lady of the manor almost yes and um, cool. and i and i feel like mrs dickinson is always a little bit jealous
1: oh she absolutely is she has that that moment about like was i even invited to the party <laughs> yes as she's like dusting the house
0: dusting like, the newspaper
1: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> dusting literally everything in sight
0: <laughs> um, mm. there's a little bit of like keeping up with the what's it, Johnson's is it? The said? Joneses.
1: Keeping Joneses, up with the Joneses. Keeping up
0: with the Joneses. Like, yeah, there's that kind of feeling to it. It's like Mrs. Dickinson's like, oh, like, you know, we're being so frugal, but then like your yeah. father's built this massive great mansion for like... And it's
1: interesting after last season where there was that like connection between Mrs. Dickinson. And Sue. And Sue about yeah. the, like, the, ironically, over the frugal housewife. Yes. <laughs> as she's proving herself to not be frugal at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, because Mrs. Dickinson kind of like saw herself into a bit, didn't she? You yeah. can just imagine she's like, what is this monster I've created? <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> what have I done? Yeah, I have unleashed something terrible. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I feel like all the characters have kind of moved forward a bit. Um Yes.
1: But we also have this scene when Emily goes to the party um, to, to, to speak about that, where she sort of confronts Sue over the fact that she's sent all these poems and hasn't actually heard anything back from her. Yes. Which is that sense of, like, the world is moving on, but Emily is still looking for her friend from childhood. And we actually see some, like, cuts to them from season one of, like... Them running around, so she still has those like memories of the life before,
0: yeah. And it's and it is kind of part of the tragedy of Emily in real life and in these fictional Mm. portrayals that we see. Um, Mm -hmm. that she is always the person stuck in time, like in a quiet passion. Part of the tragedy was that the world was moving forwards and Emily just wasn't, you know. Yes, um, all her friends are getting married, all her friends are dying mm-hmm. like like it's it's kind of that kind of <laughs> she's just always the one left behind um, and
1: what does that what does that woman say to her it's it, oh it's it's about how emily doesn't change she reveals like, mm. yes. emily reveals things i forget vryling bunting or whatever her name was
0: oh yeah the <laughs> the woman and then she gets married the,
1: and, and then she gets married and the, Oh, a quiet passion. Yeah, and
0: then Emily like cries at the wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. No, it's true. I do think Emily was the kind of person that does did that kind of. But I think there's also a sense of, and I think one of my frustrations with Emily as a character last season was that she she's portrayed as always thinking she knows best, you know. Yes. And I I I think that maybe this season will continue with that, but in a more mm. in like emily's reluctance to change because in this episode so sue invites the newspaper man what's his name sam
1: samuel balls yeah so yeah.
0: the newspaper person to come
1: he's the editor of the springfield republican
0: okay yeah yeah, yeah.
1: So, <laughs> i have my notes in front of me
0: <laughs> like i'm just like off the cuff like a uh, newspaper guy um, a really handsome newspaper guy as well like Has Dickinson Mm. is 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 Apple TV going the way of the CW? Are we just gonna have like (laughs) all these like really good looking, vaguely European looking actors? Like (laughs) I I don't know, like but yeah, like he comes and Sue sets it up, doesn't she? So that Emily will perform a poem, recite a poem, and then impress this guy in order to create that opening for Emily to be published mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and Emily doesn't engage with that.
1: She, she doesn't take it, no.
0: No. And I am still slightly puzzled as to why not because, mm. because like last season, Emily is desperate to get published. Right. Right. And to
1: the in... point of like frustrating her family exactly. and getting slapped.
0: Yeah. yeah. And um, in wild nights with Emily, they portray Emily as being someone who like always wanted to publish and was constantly mm. banging her head against the glass ceiling
2: mm-hmm. to,
0: to kind of get published. But then we know from Emily's real life that when she died, she wanted all of her poems just to be burned, you know?
2: Mm.
0: So it's like, how much did Emily want to be published? And now right. in season two of Dickinson, she has this opportunity to pursue that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and she She decides to be precious about it instead.
1: (laughs) Ooh,
0: ooh!
1: (laughs) Evoking the ghost of Louisa May Alcott.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But am I wrong, or how much do you think I'm interpreting it wrong?
1: I wondered. Like, do you think that Emily viewed her poems as something that she was meant to perform, or something that she's meant to like? You know. Right.
0: Yes. And I think Um,
1: hmm.
0: the conflict does seem to be like a lot of them are written for Sue. Yes. And so is it that Sue is her muse Mm -hmm. and she writes them for Sue and not for general consumption? Right. Whereas Sue's conflict is that she wants those poems to be read by more people. And well,
1: it's almost like. We see Sue becoming this socialite and celebrated within, you know, society. And she wants that for Emily.
0: Yes. She wants to bring Emily on her journey with her. Mm -hmm. But perhaps she doesn't understand that that's not a journey that Emily herself wants or can do, can make. Mm. But yes, it's interesting. I was really intrigued as to like this sudden change of heart where she doesn't want to.
1: She sort of freezes and yeah. doesn't engage. But we also saw that in a, a different version of that in the wild nights with Emily portrayal where she has the meeting with um, the publisher of the Atlantic. I've forgotten his name, Thomas Thomas Higginson
0: Higginson? Yeah, Higginson. yeah.
1: Yes. And she like, instead of freezing up just like babbles. And yeah. he even said, I think in his private, in letters to somebody he was like this woman just wouldn't be quiet
0: <laughs> yeah doesn't bat- he say like he power he <laughs> like was thin as a wire or something after him, yeah, like, by
1: the, by sorry, the time but... she was done with him
0: yeah which I can really so imagine
1: yeah but the real Emily bouncing back and forth between like
0: and just not being very coherent in person right. um as so many good writers are like they mm. Not all of them are performers as well, which goes back no. to your question about was the real, the OG Emily's poem, when she wrote, wrote them, did she write them with the anticipation that they would be recited or performed? Right. Um, because, I mean, mm-hmm. if you, for example, like we go back to the very roots of poetry and you mm-hmm. go back to Greek lyric poetry and stuff, it was designed to be sung, you know? Right, yes. Um, And the thing about Emily's poems is that some of them are quite rhythmic. Um,
1: Well, they uh, followed the the ballad form, as we've discussed from the very beginning.
0: demonstrated.
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) We're so So sorry for season one of this show, you guys.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I cannot believe that I sang a poem to (laughs) the tune of Amazing Grace. (laughs) I hang my head in shame. Um,
1: Uh, And yet we soldier on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) push, Push through the cringe um <laughs> but no like yeah so she wrote them so that they could go along with ballads. most of them could go along with mm-hmm. ballads. they have a rhythm to them they have a bounce they have some rhyming often mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so were they to be read privately in the quiet hours of the morning by yourself or were they to be read mm-hmm. out loud or, or yeah, recited were they meant
1: to be shared and sung or yeah
0: hi I would be really interested. This is why we need to try and get like an academic on this show
1: someday. When we go to the Dickinson Museum, we will corner corner a someone,
0: scholar, and we'll be like, we have all <laughs> these questions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we will be Emily Dickinson to Thomas Dickinson to that scholar. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> Listen to us talk about Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, no.
0: That or it's build a time machine and go back and ask her.
1: Ask, <laughs> ask the OG Emily.
0: Yeah. More. How do you well, feel? How do I this... feel about it?
1: <laughs> no, I was referring to her in the hypothetical.
0: <laughs> 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 I was like, I don't um... know, Kyle. <laughs> I haven't thought about it. Like,
1: <laughs> Give me a moment.
0: <laughs> um, um, I was going to say I'm a Christian, so maybe I'll see her in the afterlife.
1: That's true. If she, wherever she, landed on the concept of religion, I mean, she yeah. was Christian in some form.
0: Well, I don't know what I don't know what the afterlife looks like for Emily Dickinson, but um, if I oh. do see see her, I will write to you in hell and let you know. Please do. <laughs>
1: Can't wait. <laughs> the only other thing that I have in my notes that I want to mention was the Lavinia and Shipley
0: that came out Dispush- of left field yeah that came out of left field for me um, I, I was, like, was
1: confused cuz i was like are we supposed to know who this character is yeah i was like lavinia this has
0: responded I- to him yeah um, and like the name was like a vague new england his name was just another like vague new england amherstian name to me yes <laughs> and i was just like is this someone i know um the answer is we- no yeah it's clearly <laughs> no yeah. Um, and spoiler alert, but according to the history books, they don't get married in the end.
1: I mean, um, Lavinia doesn't,
0: doesn't get married. Sorry, Vinny. God, that's almost more tragic than Emily, to be honest.
1: I um, really feel for Lavinia.
0: <laughs> I do as well, because I feel like... Most um, of
1: us are Lavinia. Very few of us are Emily.
0: Yes. Yeah, in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did actually, like, for the kitty count
1: i have it on my notes
0: <laughs> yes yeah, so do i i've got like kitty and then circled in big red pen <laughs> but yeah we saw a cat i was like oh my god
1: we also um, i believe see the the, the kitty pillow stitch. yes yeah the kitty that she pillow. had done yeah <laughs> it's oh like, my it's god. back, it's back. <laughs> they know what we want giving us that content
0: <laughs> i loved it i was like kitty pillow <laughs> to like pause it <laughs> um,
1: so good yeah um
0: do do we think i mean you've seen more than me i, I have i don't know whether where this relationship with lavinia and this guy's going
2: um, mm-hmm. But I,
0: I think it's going to be interesting i do honestly don't really understand why the real lavinia never got married um no i i would be interested to, that's like a big blank spot in itself because we know, we kind of understand why Emily didn't get married. Like, right. But we have some understanding of what was going on in her head and in her heart and like why mm. she didn't go forward in that way. But it's like, mm-hmm. but why did Lavinia not?
1: Right. Because she's someone who clearly aspired to it and someone who could potentially have, as far as historical record goes. But exactly. There's,
0: there's very little suggestion of like why not. And I feel mm. like. Like in Wild Nights with Emily, they were like, oh, she's a crazy cat lady. And that's, that's the explanation. Right. But that's so lacking. To, I was to going me. to say,
1: it's such a rude, like it's a rude and rudimentary interpretation of who Lavinia was.
0: Yes. Yeah. Mm. And I, I at least appreciated that in A Quiet Passion, she came across as like being a bit of a maverick herself. Uh, mm. But, well, that's all I really have to say about the episode, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, um, I, will, I will drop one thing that I will say uh, yeah. in this season we see, or in this episode rather, we see um, during the salon, we see Henry discussing something with the servant in, or the maid in um, Austin and Sue's house.
0: In the barn, yeah, they were doing something in the barn, weren't they?
1: Yes, I will yeah. say, keep your eye on the character of Sue and Austin's maid.
2: Because Interesting.
1: I think, the, so that, act, that character is played by an actress who's also a writer, and I'm going to butcher her name, and I'm sorry, her name is... Nope, 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 nope. Okay, I am not going to be that white guy. I went through and I found... IO actually pronouncing her own name, and it is Ayo Adeberi. I will be getting it right from now on. Sorry about that. I will say, for you going forward, keep your eye on her. I think she's the secret weapon of the season.
0: Ooh. Yes. Ooh, we've got a, we've got a <laughs> wild card in the back. Yes.
1: I will say, every time she showed up on screen, I was delighted. Hmm. And... There's something there, so that's all I will say. Moving forward in the season, the okay, extent I, of my spoilers, <laughs> I will
0: 100% bear that in mind, and I kind of look yes. forward to seeing mm. what this subplot is going to turn out to be.
2: Because, mm-hmm.
0: um, of course, like we said before in season one, the civil war is in the background to some extent. Yes. it's like yes. brewing on the horizon, and mm-hmm. and doesn't Lavinia make a comment about how when What's-His-Name is all like, oh, the tobacco is so cheap down south, and she's like, yeah, oh, because of slavery.
1: Because of slavery.
0: <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, mm, that's oh, true. <laughs> He's just like, oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Lavinia speaking truth to douche bro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like a good Republican. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, she is a Republican. Like <laughs> I
1: was about to say, at that time, she was, so... You want to be on the right side of history, be a Republican in the <laughs> 1850s. In the 1850s, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woof. Oh, um, man. All okay. right.
0: So, yes. before, we, before we finish up, let's, let's have a look at the poem.
1: Let's have a look at this poem.
0: Yeah. Let's, let's talk about poetry, which is... Part
1: of this podcast. And yeah. more
0: intellectually stimulating, mm. potentially. No, I'm not complete nonsense. But, um, yeah, do you want to read it?
1: okay i have it i have poetry foundation pulled up so i can that's the most that. i
0: mean my beautiful folio edition is probably <laughs> accurate but
1: i'm rubbing it i'm like just get you a mabel loomis todd edition <laughs> as far away from you as humanly possible
0: um, i have already burned it <laughs> <laughs> it is ash in the garden like it, Thank it's God. it
1: is fertilizing my garden
0: yeah oh. no no I, I kept it because i want to show my grandchildren <laughs> um, like Literary fascism
1: and this, um, this is what happens This
0: is what happens children <laughs> Guard your legacies carefully <laughs> um, Yeah No no go on Poetry. All right. Re- read us the poem
1: Here we go So this is the episode's poem Before I got my eye okay. put out Before I got my eye put out I liked as well to see As other creatures that have eyes And know no other way But were it told to me today that I might have the sky for mine, I tell you that my heart would split for size of me. The meadows, mine. The mountains, mine. All forests, stintless stars, as much of noon as I could take between my finite eyes. The motions of the dipping birds, the morning's amber road. For mine to look at when I liked, the news would strike me dead. So safer, guess, with just my soul upon the window pane, where other creatures put their eyes, incautious of the sun.
0: Very nice. Beautifully read. Oh,
1: uh, it's such a good. I was so stupid in college.
0: Like,
1: <laughs> he sucks.
0: <laughs> Okay, so the first thing I noticed about this poem is that lots of the elements of the episode Mm. do kind of grow straight out of the poem. Um, Yes. Like the thing that really jumped out to me when you were reading it is how the news is capitalized.
1: Oh, wait, news is capitalized in yours? Yes, it is. News is is not capitalized in the Poetry Foundation version.
0: That's very interesting. So, in, in my edition, have a look. Let's see when this. This edition is from. This edition is from. Two thousand and eighteen. And it was first published. Wow. At, uh, at Harvard in nineteen fifty one.
1: Interesting. Um, I have the poems of Emily Dickinson published. Harvard nineteen ninety
0: nine. Really interesting. I wonder. Huh. I wonder at what point that difference was made, but in, in my version, the news- That
1: Dickinson scholar is going to be so sick of us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's an important distinction, because if the news yeah, is, is capitalized, then mm-hmm. it's talking about the news mm-hmm. as, a, as a industry, as a-
1: Right, as a concept. Entity. Yeah, beyond.
0: And I think it's, you know, because it says the news would strike me dead. It kind of makes me think of all those newspapers in the episode. Um, and how emily doesn't read them um right and how sue is the toast of the town and she's in the newspaper you know the society columns and stuff
1: yes and how we learn that samuel Bowles has taken it from a weekly to a daily newspaper
0: yes yeah um so that's like the news is referenced in the poem potentially um Mm -hmm. and then the other thing that like really leaped out to me personally was in the episode, Emily says, uh, I do not need, she says, I don't need my eyes to see. I see with my soul, right? Yes. Um, and in the last stanza, she says, So safer guess with just my soul upon the window pane where other creatures put their eyes, incautious of the sun. As if to mm. say, like, other people look outside the windows with their eyes, right. um, but I look with my soul
1: with my soul yeah almost to preserve her eye. well because she has her eye has been put out so it is now up to her soul yes to see she... upon the window pane yes mm-hmm.
0: so I, those are the things that like leapt out to me that then made it into the episode but i wonder yeah. if what your impressions of the poem well well
2: so it's interesting
1: um i this, this section about um, the meadows mine, the mountains mine, all forests, stintless stars, as much of noon as I could take between my finite eyes. There is a Whitman poem, or it's from um, a section from Song of the Open Road that I have also pulled up because it made me think of that because I remembered it from college because I loved Whitman back then. Um, mm mm-hmm. Walt Whitman just to be clear yeah and he has there's a bit in that that just says I inhaled great drafts of space the east and the west are mine and the north and the south are mine I am larger better than I thought I did not know I held so much goodness and like Mm. I sat there and I wondered because I know that like Emily definitely read Whitman Mm. um and it just felt like there was a connection between what she's saying and what he's saying about like this idea of of your soul being unleashed into the world and and that goodness that you contain that f- your your own finiteness being overcome in some way yeah. in those moments when your heart has been split to have the sky, to have the East and the South and the North and the West. I don't know. Like My mind instantly went to that, that section of Whitman.
0: I mean, I don't think it definitely plays off of it, doesn't it? Because it's, mm. it's so similar. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like Emily's maybe trying to get to a different point from what Whitman mm. is getting to.
1: What do you think she's getting to?
0: I think that she's suggesting that vision is ownership maybe um that what what your gaze can encompass is Mm. is what you can stake a claim to maybe Mm. like as as much of noon as i could take as if to say like this is mine now i've taken it um between my eyes and like the emphasis like mine mine um And that's the property of sight, almost.
2: Interesting.
0: Um, But then, uh, and then, because then in the next stanza, she says, um, for mine to look at when I liked.
1: See, I read this as almost overcoming
2: the limits of
1: human vision. Like, that that I could take is like as much as I could stand almost as much as I could bear between my finite eyes. Like mm. to, to my mind, the poem is talking about overcoming our own limits. Like, but were it told to me today that I might have the sky for mine, I would tell you that my heart would split for size of me. Like she would transcend her own limits as a human Mm. Mm. and be able to like see all of the world all at once in that moment as other creatures like the the opening is about her losing physical sight Mm. but finding another way to see the world and it is that what she says in the episode and what she says at the end of the poem it's It's her soul now that sees the world. It's her soul that engages with the world, and it's her soul that's like transcended.
0: Yeah, I can one hundred percent see that. Like, I think that is—that's the deeper. I think that is the underlying Mm. underlying message of the poem, um, which is that you see further with your soul than you do with your eyes, and you encompass Mm -hmm. more with your soul than you would with normal sight. Um.
1: And then I wonder if it takes, do you think it takes for her, do you think it takes death to achieve
0: that? I don't know. I don't know because yeah. she does say the news would strike me dead.
2: Um, mm.
0: And the news, actually, I think the news here is referring to, as you say, the news, if someone told her, oh, you'll see this much with your soul. Right. It's, it's that news that would strike her dead. That information, that knowledge mm-hmm. of like the extent of her soul's vision. Um, would kill her
1: and then you have this this last section where she realizes that it's better and s- or not better but but safer to s- to just use her soul upon the window pane and so you almost have her at the end of the poem
0: well she's almost saying the opposite
1: room yeah
0: she's always saying the opposite because i i do think maybe these things are about physical sight like to see the sky, the meadows, the mountains, the forest, the stintless stars, noon, the motions of dipping birds, the morning's amber road. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that she is talking about looking at these things and it being too overwhelming. And mm. so it's safer just to look with her soul. And mm. I think the reason I think that way about it is because, for me, it evokes the image of Emily in her little room, looking out yes. her window. Absolutely. And, and almost a sense of agoraphobia.
1: Oh, abs- Yes, I think so.
0: Um, and and so she's saying, I would rather look with just my soul, because because she's saying, if I went outside and saw all these things mm. in the light of the sun, it would kill me.
1: Where other p- creatures put their eyes, incautious of the sun. Hmm.
0: Yeah, that's what I think. So I think she's saying, look with your soul, not with your eyes. Um, which is a very Taoist t- message. <laughs>
1: It's a very, like, it's with her soul upon the window pane. Like, it is still contained. Like, her soul is still
0: contained. Yes, she doesn't want to take it outside.
1: And, like, to look at the Whitman, the Whitman poem is entirely about going out and, like, seeing the world. And, like, he, he says he inhales great drafts of space.
0: Like, so is it, he, is it, yeah. Is it that then that she's responding to Whitman? Maybe. And giving the opposite up opposite experience to him he's giving this this experience of going out into the world and embracing the world and experiencing the world and Mm -hmm. she's giving the experience of the world being too much and and need and needing to narrow it down to sight without sight to that narrow window pane
1: to that contained yeah Um, he can go and inhale and she has to stay behind the window pane
0: yes she's she she, it's not that she it's that she cannot withstand the light of the sun and Mm. and the sky right um yeah and she's saying if i had it for mine the meadows mine the mountains mine it would kill me so she's almost saying like if i did what what women did and had all these things as mine Mm -hmm. that would kill me you know so Mm. i do think it's that response to women there maybe
1: um, I think so. Or at least it feels like it. I wonder, again, we don't totally know when she wrote what she wrote. No. And I'm not. Let me just see when Songs of the Open Road was published. So, published in 1855. So, this, or they're 1856. Then. So, it would be, we, we learn, I believe in next episode, that it is, this season is set in 1859.
0: So, so it's, yeah. So, they're contemporary. Women's out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she may be responding to him. We don't know.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: or is he responding to her? <gasps> um, <laughs> no, impossible. He broke in, <laughs> he broke in and like, <laughs> went through the sheets. <laughs> through the
1: chest being like, this girl's got something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know, I, before we move on, just to, to finish up here, there's another thing yeah. reading this poem made me think of because I'm a big reader of um, Taoist philosophy, as you mm. know. Uh, and there's one of the lesser-known sayings of Lao Tzu, which is, he says, um, the sage does not need to travel to see the world, uh, mm. but merely looks out the window and knows everything there is to know.
1: It's funny, because then I think of, like, doesn't doesn't Lovecraft have some quote about, like, we are not meant to travel far?
0: Uh, yeah, he, he refers in several places to the idea yeah. that, uh, the more limited our knowledge, the better we are. The uh, yeah. happier we are. Um, and um, actually, in in the Tao as well, uh, mm. Lao Tzu finishes in a so the that quote about the window looking out the window and knowing the world is in mm-hmm. the early part of the Tao. In the late okay. part of the Tao, uh, Lao Tzu describes like the ideal society. Um, hmm. And in his ideal society, he literally says um, people live in small villages and do not travel far. Um, interesting, and yet they know the world. Mm. Um, and I'm and reading this poem, just made me think of that. Really, um,
1: it's interesting too. And this is divergent from what we've been talking about, but I think that, like, nowadays we have put so much emphasis on like national and international news, as it were, mm. that we've sort of lost sight of local um communities and local uh, interests efforts. Yeah, interests. And I wonder like if we have forgotten what Emily and Lao Tzu and I hate to use Lovecraft as like a thing. Actually no, scratch <laughs> Lovecraft. Get him out of here. He doesn't need to be <laughs> in this conversation. But like that idea of like the importance of locality and that importance
0: of of community. Well, we live in a increasingly, obviously it's such a cliche now, but we live in an increasingly (laughs) globalized world. Yes, um, we do. And it's so easy now for big corporations and big institutions to swoop in and buy up land and build Mm -hmm. properties. Here in my own village where I live, um, there's been a massive explosion in private companies building housing to Mm. rent out.
2: Mm. Um,
0: And it has to some extent wrecked the local environment mm. and the and the 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 feeling of the village, you know, right. we're, become, yeah. we're rapidly becoming a suburb of the nearest metropolitan
2: mm.
0: kind of area, um, mm-hmm. rather than a village. And it's because people are so focused on the national and international picture that no one shows up to those regional town council meetings, right. where small decisions, which actually will have a big effect on their lives. It mm. get made, um,
1: and I think to tie it back in, that's where you see the difference between a mass-produced newspaper that is delivered throughout a region mm. and a woman sitting alone in her room writing poems to one other person
0: while she looks out of her window with herself. <laughs> <You know. laughs>
1: Which one are we still talking about? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, oh, that's an excellent gee. place to wrap up our episode of Edicts on Edicts. Yeah. Um, we right. have a system of last season. We had a system of bread.
2: Yes, um, we did.
0: Do you want to? You have watched more than me. Do you want to keep the system of bread, or do you have a new metric you would like to? Oh, to utilize.
1: Um, honestly, I think. Oh wait, we fully did not talk about Emily seeing something strange on the train
0: we'll come back to that we'll circle back back to to it it's fine
1: you have ample opportunity um trust me okay um no let's keep loaves of bread because i can't think of anything else that i'm like ah it must be this
0: and uh, as i understand it there is a baking contest at some point
1: there is a baking contest so we will see emily's baking skills put to the test Second place. Second place. I know. <laughs> Will you achieve nothing?
0: Says <laughs> she yourself. says, looking in the, in the mirror of her
1: soul. <laughs> All right, so let's keep loaves of bread for now because I can't think of anything else. How many
0: loaves of bread are you going to give the episode?
1: Um, I'm going to give it. I feel like we were very uh, cruel last season with loaves of bread, and I'm hesitant to swing the other way and be too generous. I'm going to give this seven and a half. I, yeah, yeah. It's I've doing been, a lot of heavy lifting, but mm, the problem is, I know where the season goes. <laughs> so, like,
0: well, I don't, and I'm also going to yes. give it a seven and a half. Yeah, um, because it's like, everything about it has—it's just smoother. Yeah. Um, I felt like Haley Steinfeld was doing a really nice job. Yes. This, this time around, I've been really critical of Haley in the past. I apologize yes. for that.
1: I've been a bit more forgiving of that portrayal
0: (laughs) whereas i've just been like it sucks Um, (laughs) (laughs) but but no like i felt like uh now that i'm seeing Mm -hmm. that emily was in a different stage of her life and that she needed to be portrayed that way right um i appreciate it more so Mm
2: -hmm.
0: but yeah i'm gonna give it seven and a half also i love the soundtrack um i was there with my spotify open like looking up the songs
1: um, Um, Just. Do yourself the favor and follow the Dickinson season two Spotify playlist. I've listened <gasps> to the opening song, the Wild Wild Woman song, like a thousand
0: times. Is there like is there actually a playlist? There is. There hundred percent is. Oh my god! See, that's that's just it. That's me. That's my commute right there. Yep, right there. it's um,
1: it's good. Uh, the soundtrack it. this season fucking slaps. Just wait. There's some really good needle drops.
0: Uh, fucking slaps. I have not heard that before. That just that just makes me. When someone says "fucking slaps" to me, I think like someone was down the pub, and there was a fight like that's Oh, really? Yeah, she fucking slapped her. Uh, a bunch of farmers down, farmers wives. Is that your pub. Maggie impression? That—that that, that wasn't my That was my Hampshire farmer impression. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. Combine or no.
1: this this whole season. Already is like a massive step up from last season, um, in my mind, and it is the season that makes me eat every bit of criticism.
0: <laughs> my, sorry, my brother's just come through the room with like a bowl of nachos, and now he can't get the door open. <laughs> it's like,
1: I'm leaving this in are This you is all the right graceful now? note
0: that we will end on. <laughs> he's he's fine. He's fine. Okay. Well, then, everyone, right. um, do contact us if you would like to at edicts on edicts at. Gmail.com, all lowercase.
1: Yeah. yeah. Dickinson, we actually recommend it
0: wholeheartedly
1: now. Watch it. <laughs> Elena Smith, if you're out there listening, just skip to this episode.
0: Which surely, never mind. I, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> right. Just leave it. All right. <laughs>